Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, and along with my co-host, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragist.com and Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for companies doing good. And we have got a fantastic guest lined up for you guys today. Jack, I'll let you tell everybody about her. All right. Today we have Casey Matthews, who is a book writing and speaking coach, a transformational life coach, and inspirational speaker. She's also the author of Preemie, Lessons in Love, Life, and Motherhood, which won New Hampshire's Writer's Project Reader's Choice Award and author of the upcoming book, A Mom's Guide to Creating a Magical Life, Eight Steps to Feel Happier, Inspired, and More Relaxed, which will be released in September of this year. When not coaching and writing, Casey can be found hiking in the woods near her house in Wilton, New Hampshire, where she lives with her husband and two kids, and you can find out more about Casey at CaseyMatthews.com. That's Casey, K-A-S-E-Y, Matthews.com. Casey, thanks for being here today on Leverage Masters. Thank you so much, Jack and Gina. I'm excited to be here. And I want to we tell Casey just how we you came up in the to last find second. her. Yeah. Well, I want to tell her how we found her, Jack. Last week, Jack was yeah. like, Gina, I really want to find a guest who can help me talk about being happy as a source of leverage. So I went to my favorite little search engine, and up you came, right up at the top. And boy, I have a feeling you might be able to talk about that, Casey. You know, it's so funny you said that because it's like exactly how my life works, that when you're in that spot and you go out seeking for it, you know, all of a sudden, there it is. So I'm thrilled with how you found it, and I'm, I love that, and I love that you asked for it, and suddenly here we are, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I love that I ask Gina for weird things, and she doesn't even blink an eye, and she just goes and figures it out and finds stuff. Like, oh, yeah, okay. And uh, it wasn't that much longer. She's like, I got somebody. <laughs> Just on the, you know, I want somebody that's that's happy. Yeah, that's an expert at being happy. Go find me someone. <laughs> that's why you great guys are great partners because you can lead each other and bring that balance. <laughs> well, we'll start you off like we do everyone, uh, and we know a little bit more about you from your from your bio. But what's really burning in your belly right now? What got you out of bed today, ready to greet the day and and attack it with joy? 
It's the same thing every day. You know, it comes from my own desire to really show up in the fullness of my own life, really just, you know, every day live life to the fullest and the best version of myself that I can and then inspire others to do the same. That's really what motivates and drives me, that we all have it within us to show up as our best selves. So give us an example of what that looks like in your world. Like how do you walk – I imagine people look at you and or hear your bio, hear, hear your, some, some of your background and go, oh, well, she's just one of those people who has something – Others don't. Maybe she's got an edge. Maybe she was born differently with, you know. I mean, do you work at it? Do you do things to be happy all the time? Do you have a system? Or are you one of those weird anomaly unicorns that are just happy all the time? I I love that question because that's absolutely, I do work at it all the time. Like, I am really conscious of working hard to be in this, happy state and I have you know this plethora of tools and systems and processes that I utilize and that's what I teach others to use that enables me to get to this place because we all know throughout our days throughout our weeks months you know we're constantly bumping up against challenge but you know the difference is it's how I Look at the world. It's like I, I consciously put on this other pair of glasses and say, you know what, I'm going to look at that challenge as opportunity, and I'm going to see the gift in it, and I'm going to figure out what I can learn from it. And that's how I approach everything. Gina found me because what popped up is this daily planner I created because I found that my days were getting so full that I was just being constantly in this place of overwhelm. And I, you know, pulled out my thinking cap and thought, all right, I need a new tool in this toolbox because something isn't working here. And I figured out this way to recalibrate my days and to create a way so that I actually was you know, feeding my soul within this busy work that I'm doing and also raising two kids and having a family life. And it became very intentional, and it worked so beautifully for me in moving me out of this place of overwhelm and allowing me to step into, you know, happiness each day that I thought, i got to share this with other people. And for anybody who wants it, it's on my website for free. So it's it's out there if anybody else wants to get out of overwhelm and find a different way. So I'm intentional. I work hard at it and I know it's possible for everybody else. And I witness it all the time with my coaching clients. They think there's no way. And then they say, I didn't believe it was possible and I'm astounded and I'm loving my life. I think that's kind of a function sometimes of people. That's why I asked the question the way I did. It's, it's, I think subconsciously we're like, oh, well, that's just one of those happy people. Or we ascribe Mm -hmm. to something that you have that we don't. And that gets you an excuse to – and you might want to talk about this because it's in all kinds of uh, different uh, Zen uh, stuff and and philosophers always bring it up. But there's something in us – possibly that kind of likes where we are even if it isn't comfortable or if it isn't pleasant but it is familiar and here comes this real this happiness expert trying to rip me out of my kind of 
tepid bathwater that's a little dirty, but it's familiar. <laughs> and and she might want to try to change me. She might want to try to make me, you know, this happy thing. I want to be happy, and they would tell you that. But then they start to sabotage subconsciously saying, well, I'm probably not even the right makeup to be one of these really super happy people. Maybe I'm just a, and then fill in the blank, a realist or whatever people use as excuses. Is that anywhere remotely near uh, your Jack, experience uh, with people? Yeah, you know, Jack, I think you are like just that's so wise and so spot on in that observation because, and you know, we always teach what we most need to learn, and that was that was me because that's how we play small. That's how we keep ourselves safe, and I was doing exactly that. So I write this book, and I get all these speaking opportunities, but I still don't want people really looking at me because what if I what if I show up and I'm not all their expectations, and it was more like. I knew I poured my heart and soul into the book. Just look at the book, but don't look at me. So there was sort of this this push-pull of, I know I want this book to be really successful, but I don't want to show up in the fullness. And I think, you know, that subconsciously, it wasn't like I was really fully conscious of it, but I was sabotaging myself. Then it's like, you know, putting out, you know, creating this coaching business and showing up with one foot in, one foot out, because what if it's not successful? What if I fail? And, you know, I think a lot of people, like you're talking about, I may not be fully happy, but at least I know where I am and I know it's safe and it's comfortable because stepping into our fullness is scary. It's risky. It's, but I also think we've come into a time in this world on the planet we're living in where we can't play small anymore. I think we are all being called to step up and share our gifts with the world. And, and I am speaking first and foremost to myself because this was the kick in the butt I gave myself because I knew I wasn't living to my own fullness and I was playing safe and I was playing small and I wasn't putting myself out there as much as I could have been. And I said, you got to step up. you got to do this. And, you know, I wanted to stay in that comfy place in that tepid bathwater. And, you know, I knew it was time, and I know it's time for other people as well. It's kind of funny. We used to have an excuse that technology just wasn't sufficient for uh, digital entrepreneurs to really do much beyond a certain point. And so I remember using that as an excuse um, to go so far and no further because, well, I mean, we had some bulletin boards and we had, you know, we didn't have Facebook yet. There was no such thing as social media at all. And you could be done with your day of promoting and stuff uh, on the online in all the places that you could be seen in a few hours. And then you're, yeah. you know, but then technology exploded and now we have more opportunity to be out there and go big and do amazing things. And I still see people and myself using excuses. And now all the excuses have been taken away from a technological standpoint. So what's left? And what I find is me. I'm the only thing left. I'm the constant throughout the whole thing. I was making an excuse in the beginning because there wasn't enough technology. And then I made an excuse when there was enough technology 
you know, and I'm just like, wow, this is really wild because it, you said the universe is, is is kind of calling everybody to be big, to go big and giving us just knocking down walls in front of us like crazy. There's no technological reason why anybody can't go really, really big. And there's a lot of people who don't have any training at all that just go straight to YouTube and just start pushing buttons getting themselves out there and then all of a sudden they have a big not all of a sudden they work really hard but they appear one day as a really big channel and they have all and they don't know anything and so it's not it's also not even knowledge because I watch a lot of people who aren't intimidated they just have to go do something and they go do it and just kind of from our expert uh uh view might look like they accidentally stumbled upon something when all they had was passion. It was just complete passion. Mm. There was no training or anything. So even that isn't an excuse. And But we, we're we really good at finding excuses, aren't we? When the, all the walls are bo- broken down and, and nothing is really standing in our way physically or, or technologically or anything, we can still find excuses. Yeah, I, oh, oh, there's so many things you touched on that are just so brilliant. You know, that first of all, like, there wasn't enough, and now there's too much. And, you know, the self-awareness that it's really still me that's keeping me from ha- from this happening. I love that. That's so brilliant, and that's the place to start. And But I also want to touch on sort of, and then these people who just show up, and they follow nothing but their passion, and they make it look so easy – that's you know that's that place I think that also sabotages us that compare and despair. So well, mm. I'm trying to do all these things. I, I'm I'm showing up. I'm doing these things, but that person's doing it so much better, or they make it look so easy. And what I find, and I think it's a really key thing to remember, is when we show up and we're using our gift, what's unique to us. That's when it looks easy to everybody else. So that YouTuber Mm -hmm. who presses a button and they show up, the reason they're so good at it is because that's their gift. That's what they were called and meant to be doing. But that's not what you and I and Gina and others, you know, that's not what we are called to do. You know, I'm called to work in a very different sort of behind-the-scenes quieter way with people who are wanting to put themselves out there and writing books or, or speaking or really show up in a different way in their life. You know, when I get into that zone, it looks effortless because I'm utilizing my gift. When you guys show up to do your podcast or whatever it else it is in your life that you know, like, this is what I'm aligned with. This is what I'm meant to be doing. It's like you're riding that wave in toward the shore rather than, like, trying to paddle out and smash up against the wave. You know, they keep pushing you back and pushing you back because it's not aligned with what you're meant to be doing. So I think that that's such a key thing is that, piece of the self-awareness of what is it really that makes you unique and what is your unique gift and honing in on that passion of course plays a big role in that and then when you're really clear on that and what's driving you forward that's when the me the sabotager the one who whether there's too much or too little we can say no you got this because you know this is what you're meant to be doing does that make sense does that resonate absolutely yeah yeah and it might be it might be a little let's let's go back a little bit because one of the reasons that i wanted to talk to you when i didn't even know who you were but i knew that (laughs) there was a you out there i wanted to talk to uh 
I'm starting to remember the exact impulse that I had when I asked Gina what we should do about getting the next guest that I really wanted to have this discussion about go from the very beginning, just happiness, just what is your definition of it? Because I think a lot of people also probably think it's unrealistic to be, I mean, what do you mean? Like barring all other emotions, you're just going to be happy from now on. That sounds like heaven, but it also sounds like boring. And it also sounds impossible because Mm -hmm. life throws things at you and stuff. And you're not, and of course, when I talk about it, I'm not talking about that. I know that you're not, but how do you define a happy, fulfilled life with all of the ups and downs and everything else? And you touched on it a little bit for yourself, but maybe a more general description of what people should expect, you know, what's a good definition of a happy life? Wow, what a question. You know, believe it or not, I've actually, like, really never been called or asked to just specifically define it. And I don't think it's necessarily possible for me to define it for everybody else. So the only thing I can speak to is what it means for me. And, you know, I touched on it before. It's showing up in the fullness of my own life. But inherent in that is being really comfortable with who I am, being comfortable in my own skin, not looking outside myself for the answers. And, you know, that's an ideal. I totally get that. And we don't show up and wake up in the morning and stay in this, like, I always think in terms of, like, energy and vibration and we're like operating at this really Mm -hmm. high vibrational state right we you know you don't sustain that throughout your day at a hundred percent but it's you know i think like a, a a light switch with the dimmer you know is the dimmer really high and then we have to allow ourselves time when that light just needs to dim down and and it just happens naturally and we just honor that and acknowledge it so it isn't like we're you know, these cheerleaders who are always like, okay, yeah, we have to be 100% all the time. No, it's, you know, when we're mm-hmm. called to show up in that place. But we also acknowledge that there are times where we need to let down and be in that place. And I think a lot in terms of, we, it's, you know, a lot of people approach life from the place of really being a victim so that life is always happening to you, you know, that whatever happens, it's, you know, it's happening to me or is life happening for you so that little things, uh, you know, little things to the big things. So you're on your way to a meeting and you're late and the light turns red in front of you and now you're sitting there in frustration and this is, you know, the example of life happening to you and this is making me more late and all this as opposed to the opposite of life happening for me, okay, the light turned red, I'm just going to be in this place of there's nothing I can do about this, this is outside of my control, you know, I'm just going to be calm, and and then you show up, and the parking space in front of the building, the very first one opens up, and you pull in, and you're not late after all, you know, so it's how we frame, and again, I, you know, I refer back to sort of taking off those putting on this new pair of glasses where it's about a real shift in perspective change and how we see the world so that when things at times of adversity come up, we don't go on the defensive and lean back and think, here we go again. You know, I did all these things and now this is happening to me, you know, or why is this happening to me or for me or really take a different stance, take a step forward and say, interesting, huh? 
look what's happening now. I'm bumping up against more challenge. I wonder why. I wonder what I can do. What can I take away from this? How can I shift? What's a different way? So, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah. I'm kind of getting off on that. No, it's... How, that's actually better than I was expecting <laughs> because you gave the beginning you gave the beginnings of a formula that I've been working on uh just you know kind of working over how could you define a happy life without giving any definite definitive well you got to have this and you got to have that and you just did it you just gave a formula for it it's in how you look at every situation how you mm-hmm. greet the day and then live your day and how, when things pop up, how you frame them, how you react to them. And you gave two very clear choices. There's a lot of middle wiggle room, I'm sure, in those two. But you can either do it like this or you can do it like that. And most people do it like this. But if you do it like that, then you start to look for possibilities where everybody else is just stuck at a light. And mm. beautiful. I mean, just perfect. That that I did not expect that. That was awesome because it is a tough question. You can only answer for yourself in specifics. You can't answer for everybody else, of course. It, you know, the key to happiness. But you came up. You you gave us a formula that can be applied to anybody's life. Now you can fill in your two point five kids, your house, your other goals for things and success and all of that stuff based upon that because I really think that that is the crux of it all and when I look at other people now I used to look at other people and go oh they look happy I want to go maybe do that I wasn't making a choice for myself and what would make me happy I just was following happy people around going oh hey maybe that and that misses a key part of your formula which is finding out your passion and finding out what you're good at you're just going and mimicking everybody else and then wondering why you're not achieving the happiness that they obviously seem at least to have. And so I think that formula is perfect because it just applies to every situation. And now you can fill in the blanks for your own personal stuff. I love it because I can hear so much lightness and excitement in your voice so that, you know, you're driving (laughs) home tonight and get stuck in the light and you're going to be like, nice. What am I supposed to get out of this? Here I am sitting at this light. So I love that, and I'm happy for you, and, you know, so glad that you're getting that because that is really it. Like, you know, and, and there will be moments when you're not, when you do slip back into because it's it's habitual and it's been a pattern that, you know, we've done all our life where, you know, and it's what was modeled to us by parents and relatives and family and friends and school and everything is that, you know, life is happening to us and we slip back into it but but the real difference is Jack once you now have this awareness and you you know you pull up at the light and it turns red and you think ah darn it all and then you go oh you know I'm slipping into life happening to me huh and that's the difference it's suddenly you've brought in the mindfulness and the consciousness of how are you showing up so yay for you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you think that that, that people don't re- they hear things like we're the creators that we create things uh for ourselves situations and and great things that we have a lot of power do you think people are scared of that power or do you think also maybe this also has something to do with it that we get programmed from the day that we can understand language they teach us language and then they begin to use that language to fill our heads up with all the rules. 
you are mm-hmm. Protestant, you are, uh, you know, a middle class, you are this, you are that, you are this, and also you will act this way, you will follow these rules, this is how life is, if you want to succeed, this is how you do it. We just get laid out from the very beginning. We're these perfect little beings of light, and as soon as we come in, rules. We're weightless, and then rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. All of a sudden, just right away, you know, don't do this, do that. Do you think people get so conditioned by that that they can go lifetimes or very, very far in their lives thinking, I don't have any power of my own to be a creator, to create my life the way that I like? First of all, I think that's scary. And then second of all, I don't think it really matters because I've always been told what to think. My culture tells me what to do. My religion tells me what to do. My you know, everybody around me always told me, and so that I always followed that. How much harm could that do to a person in their life, or if it if it's even an issue at all, as you see it? Hmm. I, I there. That's so. There's so many multi layers to that. You know, one of the things that was really first as you started talking about that that was coming through is there's also just such a question of worthiness and you know, and deserving and like, well, you know, that that's how dare I, you know, dream or ask for a life of such fullness and, and joy. Like, you know, I watched my parents struggle or my neighbors are struggling or there's all these other people struggling in the world. So how dare I even ask or try to show up to that? Is that possible? And I think, you know, this day and age where we're living in, like you're talking about these walls, they're falling down, and we're saying, yes, like actually, yes, you are worthy and deserving and allowed to show up in in the fullness of your life and ask for it and not somehow feel like you're cheating the system or breaking the rules or doing something you're not supposed to be doing. But again, it's speaks to those patterns that, like, on a cellular level are ingrained in us. And that's what I think is changing and breaking down and, and saying, no, it is okay. You really are allowed to be this happy. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you, you know, you look around and you go, really? Am I really allowed to, to live this life? You know, and yes, and not only that, without guilt, because you are a leading example and showing up in the fullness of your life to inspire others to do the same and know there is another way and that you can look out, see what it is you really want and go after it and and seek that and ask for it and receive it. And I, I think I talk a lot about and I write about it, you know, just around receiving I think a lot of us close ourselves off to receiving and because we don't feel worthy. And so there is a lot of opportunity and um, different aspects of life that come toward us, but we're kind of closed down and we miss them because we're not awake enough to see it. We're not conscious in seeing and or feeling deserving enough. So there it is, but it, it kind of hits us and bounces off because we didn't even recognize that it was meant for us. Is that answering and getting toward what you were asking? Yeah, I th- I think so because it's a big topic, first of all. So there's just <laughs> – we only have yeah. uh, an hour, and this is one of the right. biggest ones humanity has been working on since the beginning. So yeah. – uh, but, I mean, yeah, it's a it, – it's a 
I didn't even think about the deserving thing. There was a long time where I couldn't take compliments. I just mm. didn't. I just shut down. I didn't even know how to cover up that I wasn't taking it well. Like, I just didn't. I just would come back with a stupid joke or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. self, uh, you know, effacing and all of that. And it took me a long time to figure out that it's okay to just say thanks. I mean, mm. just compliments. And then I'm like, well, what the heck? How much deeper could this one go? Because that's just mm-hmm. the surface level stuff. This feels like it. And then I started working on more and found that that really was the tip of the iceberg. There really was a lot more under there in the deserving uh, category and just mm. worthiness. And, yeah, that takes a lot. I think a lot of people might go an awful long time, because I sure did, um, not even knowing why they feel unhappy like why or and then some people I think maybe go a long time like I did and don't you don't even know you're unhappy you might even tell somebody Mm. I'm happy I'm generally a happy person uh because you would fear to really even explore to be honest about that (laughs) like well I'm just going to tell everybody I'm happy because I don't I don't even know what happiness is so I can't really say but uh I would, so so that leads me to the next thing, which is an actual question, which is uh, <laughs> about pain. Pain and suffering and sorrow is all meant to be because it's here. So, I mean, that's the way I look at it. It's like it's here. It exists. So it was meant to be in our lives. And so when people die, we experience all of those emotions that go with that. And uh, we lose something in business. We Something doesn't go right or whatever. Um I use myself as a guinea pig so I don't have to point anybody out, uh, and I'm good with this one. I'm a great example of this. But when things would go bad, I would do anything that I could, uh, if it was with business or personal, to bypass it. And just Mm. I would go consume something. I would go consume alcohol or I'd go get some new toys or I would go just away from it. I would just point away from the pain. That's what I thought I was doing. And just go away. And what I found out later was that I was keeping it. I was just shoving it somewhere else in my body. And later on, years later, after your body gets really sick of that, it starts to show (laughs) that there's a big problem here. What is it? Well, the doctor will tell you it's something physical. And then your guru will tell you, yeah, it's manifesting physically, but I think it's probably something with your energy, that you've been doing something all for a long time with your energy and tell me about how you deal with pain. Tell me how about how you deal with sadness and stuff. And it wasn't until the last couple of years that I met someone that forced me, when I get sad, when I feel pain, when something bad happens, to sit there and look it in the eye and fully feel it. Don't run mm-hmm. away from it. Don't go buy something. Don't go drink something. Don't go, you know, and just see what that's like. And I'm telling you, that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me, ever was to, for somebody to say it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel mad. It's okay to, uh, you know, get depressed sometimes. But it's how people deal with that is everything. What do you think about – I didn't really ask a question, but what do you think about all that? <laughs> I just kind of throw yeah, it all in your I, lap and let you do whatever you want with it. <laughs> first of all, I am. I really want to congratulate you on – that discovery, but even more so your willingness to share it and to be so vulnerable and to to allow your audience to hear that, that you went through this and that 
you know, you've made such a significant change because that's really it, right? It's like this this denial of, okay, well, whatever, I'm just going to keep moving on. And that's that's a very different take than sort of life happening to you or for you. It's acknowledging. So I, I really like your sort of tying what we were talking about before together with this that, okay, well, I guess if this um, person's talking about happiness and that I have to see that life is happening for me, then I just have to shift to the positive and put these glasses on and see it only that way. But you really brought up a really, really important part of this is that within that we have to acknowledge all that is coming with the challenge and whether it be disappointment or sadness or fear or pain or whatever it is, really acknowledging and allowing ourselves to feel that because, like you said, otherwise it just gets buried and it manifests itself in medical issues or addiction or whatever the heck else it is. And and I talk a lot in my work about that we are not just operating on the physical level. It's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and then even goes off into the intuitive. So you're so spot on in speaking about that, and we – the example in our life, I mean, I write about it in my book, is in my daughter was born halfway through my pregnancy. She weighed one pound, 11 ounces, and had four major surgeries. Wow. And we, you know, talk about vulnerability and not knowing what was going to happen from one day to the next. And the beauty in it was that years later I was able to see that, wow, I wouldn't want her to ever go through that again. But, boy, did she arrive right on time to teach me and everyone around us, all these major life lessons we were meant to learn. And one of my real big ones was I was so terrified all the time and really terrified she was going to die because there were so many instances where she came close. But yet I never said it aloud. I never acknowledged it. And yet it was like vibrating beneath my skin all the time, making me shaky. And it was like, wait a second, acknowledging it and bringing this to the light took away its power, took away the darkness, took away the uncertainty, the unknowing. And that is a tool that has been so useful throughout my life that I'm always teaching to others and I love how you did it. You acknowledged it and not only acknowledged it, you allowed yourself to really feel it because without doing that, it just keeps coming back around and knocking on the door and saying, hey, it's me again. And until you let me in and really, you know, go through what we need to go through together, I'm just going to keep showing up in different ways. And, and until you get it, here I am. So I, I, I'm really happy for you, <laughs> and I'm happy for your listeners <laughs> well, that will be able to recognize that in themselves and make a shift, too. Absolutely. Well, the reason that I brought it up is because I didn't want anybody to, if they were rolling their eyes, and I'm really talking to my old self, I would have been rolling my eyes at the beginning of this podcast because, oh, here's another one of those <laughs> happiness things, and they're going to try to get me to listen. And we might have even lost a couple of listeners at the top because I remember how I felt about people who were trying to help, uh, and I just thought, ah, whatever. Ah, I was the biggest humbug about all this stuff, and um, and so and I know that there are a lot of people out there like that because they turn away from me a lot when they see me coming. Uh, still, but I'll get them. I'm gonna get them. Uh, well, and I want to be truthful that... and honest. And a yeah. lot of people say that it's just happiness all the time. All this thing that it, it sounds 
ignorant coming out of my mouth now, but at the time I felt like that. And so I wanted to make sure that we covered there is still sorrow and sadness in the world. There's still things that go wrong in your business and everything else, and that is also included in what you would consider a happy and fulfilled life. Absolutely. And and the other thing I would say for those who've stepped away, they're just not ready. You know, I mean, that it's right. just that this may have been, you know, a seed that was just planted. And there'll be more that come and they'll, you know, there'll be that seed will start to get watered. But just like you, there were times when you weren't ready. And we don't go from, you know, zero to 100 and then all of a sudden jump in with both feet. Some of us do, (laughs) but not always. So it's the acknowledgement of you're not wrong for stepping away. You're just not ready. And that's okay. And I think it speaks a lot to we're also focused sort of on finish line and what's the product and are we going to have this finished thing and really acknowledging that, you know, life is a process and, and, and within business when we're creating new products and we want to get it out in the world. All the learning, much of the learning actually takes place in the creation process and, and being mm. aware of that and being conscious of that and, you know, as we bump up against things and we shift and we find detours and we, that's where the real deeper learning takes place. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, ha- I want to have this rubber meets the road kind of thing. And it kind of seems funny to teach people what it, you know, not that we have completely done any of that, but give people an inkling that this is possible and that they could learn more about it from people like you uh, you know, further investigation, all that kind of stuff. But it, the possibility, just throwing out the possibility is tantalizing. seems kind of greedy to say, well, what's the outcome? What's in it for me? But it seems mm. also really pertinent to do that, given that we have already addressed the little guy inside us that says, I like my dirty bathwater I'm in right now. I'm comfortable. We got we to gotta deal with that guy. And one of the greatest ways to do that is a great big list of benefits. So in business, let's just tackle business so we have one thing to talk about. In business, what is the leverage of spending time on yourself and making yourself happy, fulfilled in ways that we, everywhere else that we face, especially digital business people, they're going to run into a Gary Vaynerchuk. You're just going to. And it's not like his stuff is is antithetical to anything we're talking about because that is one happy guy and he's super fulfilled but he also comes off to some people like well this the key to success is obviously i have to work 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 and anything that gets in the way and anything that happens to me along the way is okay acceptable and i'm just going to have to push through it hustle grind through it because that's what it seems like everybody else is saying and doing and so that's a dangerous place to be, right? Because if you're not really dealing with how you need to work and how you need to be fulfilled or that you even consider being fulfilled a thing because now I'm just going to hustle and grind my way to this goal that I have, a lot of people come through that tunnel sick and dying and mm-hmm. <laughs> not understanding why they now can't enjoy all this uh, like money success or whatever it is that they were going after because now it just about killed me. So what's in it for people who have more of a balance that, that follow what you teach uh, in business? Because I know you probably work with lots of people who are in business. How has this affected them? What's in it for somebody who, who takes this to the next level? 
I think the really important distinguisher there, and I think it's the, the, the day and age we're living in, is we used to really separate our business and the work we did from the rest of our lives. And I think there are, you know, following those rules, those patterns, I think there are still many who do. But I think the real key here is that it's, it's to not allow them to, to compartmentalize and see it separately anymore, that who we show up in the fullness of our own life is who we show up in our work, in the business we do. And I think that's a really important place to understand the most important benefit is it impacts all aspects of your life so that the person you are showing up to your family and your loved ones is the person that is showing up to your clients and your coworkers and in the business meetings. And they're very tangible results as you show up more conscious about your physical self. So, you know, I always start on the physical level. I, I, I often um, use the, the metaphor of it's like building a house. And you're not going to come in and build a house without really this really strong foundation. And I think that starts with the physical body. And I think a lot of us don't want to acknowledge that what we're putting in our body, the lack of exercise we're doing, it's really important. And, you know, they're, and it's simple things like, you know, how much are you actually hydrating? How much are you physically moving your body? And if you can just incorporate a few little things each day, it makes a significant change because then you show up more in a mentally clear space. And even, you know, meditation is a word that really, you know, a lot of people sort of put up their palm and go, oh, no, don't start this again, you know. And when I talk and teach about meditation, I always just say it in terms of sitting still time. I think we can follow those patterns where, there's so much we can be doing every day, especially as entrepreneurs, especially with the technologies available, that if you wanted to, you could work 12, 14, 16 hours a day nonstop. So it's about that work-life balance, but it's also about literally taking five minutes to sit and just be still. And I'm not talking about, you know, you have to sit on the floor on a yoga mat and, you know, contort your legs. I'm just literally talking about sitting in a comfortable chair or couch and closing your eyes and sitting back for five minutes and just getting centered and grounded. And that, you know, that one change in practice alone makes such a difference and an impact in how you show up in your life and, of course, that life being your work life because the clarity that comes with it is something that it's, it's obtainable through that. So that's the benefit of knowing where you're meant to be going and tapping into that wisdom. So, again, if I, I wanted to speak to, you know, sort of multi-leveled in what I wanted to speak to in that question you asked, but, you know, there are people out there that have found what works for them. And if it's seven hours a day of, you know, being on Instagram or, or Facebook Live, whatever their thing is that's really worked for them, and they're saying, this works so much for me, it will work for you. I really, really urge people to get clear. To It's a lot of us, you know, chase after the next shiny object and think that might be the answer. The answer is already in you. It's about getting quiet and finding the answer. And I speak in terms of what's a vibrational match. So you know when you meet a complete stranger, you know, introduced at a 
business gathering or cocktail party and you think, gosh, I just like really, really like that person. Like we just, we just connected like deeply, like it totally resonated with me and we have this connection. It's the same approach to what's being offered out in the business world. You really need to ask yourself, is this a vibrational match for me? Does this resonate with me? Not just this person telling me this is the way to do it. So jump in and try and ask yourself, is this right and true for me? Does this work for me? Because there's so many different ways to approach it, and that's the beautiful thing. There's so much choice, and that's also the dark side of it. There is so much choice. So how do we discern, and how do we know? And that's where we go inward, and we ask ourselves, and we get clear, and we, we take a moment and slow down and say, is that right for me? And trust our own wisdom. Trust our own inner guidance and become more self-aware in that way. And I think that really helps us from jumping into each next thing and, and trying to align ourselves with things that aren't necessarily right for us. So that's, those are my thoughts it on is. that. <laughs> and it's, man... I think we're both giving each other an awful lot to work with here. I'll try to pick off just a couple of things. Well, the 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 last the last thing. Well, the thing on meditation. Let's go there because I think I'm supposed to bring this up, and we're supposed to explore this a little bit more because things happen in chunks around this show, and stuff shows up, and I don't know why it does until we get on the show, and then I'm like, oh gosh, that's what that was for. We were supposed to, but. Uh, a lot of people know Kyle Cease. If you don't, go go look him up. He's he's pretty awesome, pretty neat. And he he mailed everybody and said um, this thing about meditation that was really weird. It was like the same thing that everybody says. Uh, I can't meditate, and I don't want to meditate, or I'm bad at it, or I, you know they make up all these excuses. And he said something I hadn't heard anybody say really before, but it sticks out like a sore thumb right after you hear it. And that is nobody tells the People are very infrequently telling the why of meditation. They're always the ver- which makes everybody focus on the how, because everybody's just like, well, I they say I should meditate, and they're not saying why. But so I'm going to just sit here and go, well, I don't know how. Can you teach me how to meditate? And that's where everybody gets tripped up. But in other parts of life, you know very clearly the why, the outcome of something that you want to do. And then whatever procedure you have to follow to get to that point becomes the secondary thing. Well, I'll just figure that out. I'll just learn that because I want to go over here. And there's so many examples in life that are like that. And, uh, and yeah, I think, I think people might – do you think that people might get over it a little bit and just start sitting down and shutting up for 15 minutes a day if they have a why that's attached to that that's discernible enough and visceral enough for them – that they're no longer encumbered by this whole, I am not Buddha. And unless Mm. I'm Buddha, I'm never going to be meditating right. I'm not doing this right. I don't know how. Yeah, I I think that is so spot on. All my coaching clients, no matter whether they're looking to write a book or be a speaker or transform their life, which, you know, it all kind of incorporates in all of it, we always start with the why. You know, and that, I love that you tapped into that with this meditation piece. And in, in that, it's brilliant about everybody's telling us how, but nobody's telling us why. I love that. I'm going to steal that from you and use it. 
because I think that is so spot on. And we're being told how to do things all the time, and we always look and think, oh, but I'm not doing it right. And I think such a big takeaway in today's world is there is no right or wrong. There is what resonates and works for you. So for me, I just said, you know what? I'm sick of all these people telling me all these different ways to meditate and, you know, that it's not okay to do this and I have to do it this way. And you know what? I'm going to do it what feels right to me. And I really found that the three keys to having a successful day and then I lay my head down at night and feel like, okay, is my three keys every day, no matter what, is I've got to drink a bunch of water and stay hydrated, I have to move my body, and I have to meditate. And if I do those three things, then I'm going to go to bed feeling okay, no matter what. And when I say move, I mean I take a walk in the woods and I get my heart rate going a little bit. And if that's all I get to do, that's fine. But that's what feeds my soul. And when I say meditate, I mean I sit on the love seat in our bedroom and I put both feet on the floor and I play some classical music and I sit there for I like to, at this point now, sit for 12 minutes. I set the timer on my iPhone. But in the beginning, it was five. That was all I could sit for. And even in my busy life today, if all I can do is sit for five minutes, then that's all I do. And if I get to the end of the day and I pull out my daily planner, and the way my planner works is I have, it's in my, I plan for my soul. Like literally, what will I do for my soul today? And the three are, you know, the hydrate move, meditate, and then I add on to that. And I try to do that first, but there are often times where I'm getting ready to go into bed and I thought, I am just off. Like today was just sort of scattered and, oh, interesting, I never did the meditation. I'm going to sit down and do it for five minutes now before I get in Mm -hmm. bed. You notice it's it's missing. I do notice it's missing, absolutely. Oh, man, it's obvious when 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 you wake up. I feel like I'm waking up during the day. I just wake up going, oh, crap, now I know why I feel like this. Yep. And yep. it's like I was in a trance, like I was missing something, and it was a kind of a heavy film over my day. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but that's true, people. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that's what it's like to miss it if you don't do it. <laughs> At least it is for yeah. me. <laughs> and I have a lot of people saying, well, which, which meditation course do you think is better? Which one should I do? Which one should I buy? Which app? Which this? Which that? And I just say, you know what? you've got to find the one that works for you, but literally consider buying nothing and just plopping down on a comfy chair and putting both feet on the floor and sitting for five minutes and see how that works for you first. You know, so again, we return back to this idea of not looking outside yourself, look within, start within first. And then, man, like, If you find this meditation thing is like the greatest thing I've ever done, you know, that's when you start to expand and say, I want to go deeper on this. I want to learn more. That's when you're ready for maybe to explore some other programs. But start simple. Keep it easy. Don't complicate things and don't look outside of you. Just look within and you've got the answers right here, you know. And and don't feel that you know there's a right or a wrong way. Just just do it. So and make it easy on yourself. Simplify it. Who who was it? I can't. I can never remember who to attribute this to. Uh, somebody saying something like, "I don't have time to meditate 20 minutes a day," and the guy says, "Then meditate 40." 
or an hour or two hours. <laughs> or, you know, if you don't have time, that means you got to do double the amount. That's true, too. Do you find yourself – I mean, what are the upsides of this? Because I know that in my world, meditation gives me an edge, a real defined edge, a palpable one, where I realize when I look back on my day and I had a good meditation to start the day, I did a lot more, not in mm-hmm. a – hard, worky, hustle, grindy kind of way, but it, I just am surprised by it. I look back and I go, wow, look at that. And the only reason I can attribute that to a meditation and, and, and the other things that you're talking about, because I do a lot of all of that stuff, probably I need to work a little bit more on hydration, but everything else mm-hmm. I do really well. And uh, I'm working on the hydration part, but uh, I've, I've left it out. I've left any of those components out and I look back on days where I was just foggy and unproductive and things just didn't get done that I had on my list. It was an easy list of things to do just didn't, didn't happen. I mean, yep. you can really tell when that stuff's missing. Yep. And, and, you know, for me, Jack, I lean toward anxiety. Like that's, and ever since, you know, my life got turned upside down where this baby arrived halfway through a pregnancy and then all these, you know, unexpected traumas and surgeries. So I can lean toward that like, oh, gosh, what's going to go wrong today is the other, when's the other mm-hmm. shoe going to drop? And that's where I feel sort of like, okay, why, you know, why am I feeling like, like life is happening to me and, and that something bad is lurking around the corner and I'm shaky and, okay. I haven't had my water. I need to mm-hmm. get out for a walk and breathe, and I need to just sit. And I know, and and that's why, it, like, almost, you know, it really became for me, like, if I want to show up in the fullness, fullness of my life, I don't have a choice. And really, if, like, these are these three simple things I need to do to step into my fullness, like, and that's it, and then the rest is just kind of icing on the cake of my day, like, all right, I, I can do that. And I know we... We have a tendency, even when we step into the fullness, we want to slip back into playing small because it's easier sometimes. So we let the meditation mm-hmm. go. We, you know, we, we don't drink the water. We haven't taken a walk today. And, you know, it's just about keeping it simple. So for me, literally, it is three things. And then if, you know, those three things happen and I can do other things, great. But I think sometimes we try to do too much and we add, all right, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work with a personal trainer and then I'm going to have these meetings. And, you know, if we can, I think the, the easier and the simpler we make things, then, of course, we're going to show up and do them, you know, because how can we not? All right, yeah. we can do those three things, right? So, you know, keep it easy and simple on yourself. Um, and when you have days when it doesn't happen, all right, don't beat yourself up or go ahead and beat yourself up. Feel the pain for a minute, and I'm disappointed, I'm bummed, and then move on and start the next day and recognize that without it, you're not functioning as well as with it. So, yeah, I think yeah, my big means... thing was just trusting, trusting mm-hmm. that when people say that, my my reaction to it was, well, then it can't work. Anything mm. that's that simple mm. cannot be powerful. Everything in my experience, and, and, and I was taught from my birth that everything needs to be commoditized. I grew up with a golfer in the house, and I grew up knowing that you could not play golf with a simple set of golf clubs. You needed accessories. You needed books and tapes and training and all this stuff. At least that's what I thought because that's what my dad thought. 
when all he really needed was a simple set of clubs because he was only out to have fun. He wasn't trying to become a professional golfer. And he, he later on learned the zen of golf and that it really was a simple thing. And it was very much more powerful. His game got better. And my game got better when I started to take simplicity seriously. Now, all you have to do is expose yourself to it a couple of times, maybe just once. And something so profound can come of it that you'll never, ever, ever think, like, this is not powerful stuff. You will never treat it with that level of disregard again, right? Because it yeah. is extraordinarily powerful. Well, I think you what you witnessed and, you know, your dad showed you in, in his own journey was he was really looking outside of himself and all these books and all these courses. And then eventually he discovered wow, it's right here with me. It had been here all along. Mm -hmm. I kept looking outside. It makes me think of that movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance, which I just actually yeah. watched with the kids recently. Like, wow, powerful. So many lessons in that. So, Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, before we run too much out of time, we might have time for a, a final thought here. We do. We have time. Uh, but I want to make sure that everybody understands what what benefits they can have by getting closer to you and then how to get closer to you. What do people need to do uh, to find out more about what it is that you do? So, you know, there are people who really just want to step more into the fullness of their life. They're not sure why. They're just not feeling... Like they're, you know, they're feeling great. It's funny, you touched on it earlier in the interview, and I wanted to share this with you. My least favorite word in the English language is fine. You know, I'll come down for a party and mm -hmm. say to my husband, like, does this look okay? He goes, yeah, it looks fine. And I say, look, I didn't show up in this life to look fine. You know, I didn't show up to have a, a good enough life. So for people that are looking for more, that good enough isn't enough, that, you know, you really want to live into the fullness of it in whether it is for your business or if you have a story that's been living within you or if you want to show up and share your gifts, gifts with others. That's what I do in my one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. And we do a lot. Uh, I, I just offer a ton of tools and really, really practical really simple, really easy, almost that, wow, this is almost too good to be true, and then really offering a lot in more of a profound way. Where So these, these changes are on a different level and, and so profound. And um, I actually have, from time to time, every few months, I have complimentary coaching sessions that open up. So I have a few slots, and people can visit um, the contact me page or there's actually a sign up over on my coaching page or even email me at Casey at CaseyMatthews.com and you know do it kind of first serve first come first serve and set up a time for you and it's Casey with a K and Matthews is one T which confuses people when they go to look for me so I'm happy to offer those um, people who don't want to, you know, live in a place of good enough anymore and are looking for more, that, you know, that's where I can really help you to take it to the next level. And it's in terms of, yes, your business life, but it's your whole life. It's really broad and it's really powerful. And this is my gift and this is my joy. And watching people's lives transform, people who say to me, I really want to work with you, but I just don't have the time. 
And I say, when you make this commitment to yourself, I guarantee you time will expand. And all this time you think you don't have, when you're stepping up and you're in this place of clarity and you're feeling well physically and emotionally, it is astounding how time all of a sudden, there's so much more of it than you thought. And over and over, clients say to me, you said that, I didn't believe it, I, it and it is so true. And so I love it. I love witnessing. I can't wait for it. And, um, you know, I'd love to work with anybody who's ready for that. Awesome. Casey, it's been yeah. so, it's just so weird how to, how we found each other and, uh, it, it was meant to be. And I think that every week on this show, the people who show up are just amazing, just like you. And it's really weird how sometimes they find us when we find each other. And I'm just glad that we did and that you took the time to spend with us today. Thank you very much for that. Thank you so much. And I, and I'll say, you know, rather than using the word weird, I think it was like divinely guided. Right. So it was <laughs> yeah, I completely and, agree. You know, yeah, so whomever brought us together, we send up great thanks and gratitude. So thank you so much, Gina and Jack. True pleasure meeting you both, and I hope our paths cross again. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Casey. And we will be back next week, same time, same place, for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Black Book page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.